Welcome to Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. I'm your lead investigator on this case, Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Every episode is an investigation where you and I explore true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. We discuss the cases, share information, no chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. Now, grab your crime scene kit, a notebook, and your favorite hat. This is Best True Crime Podcast. This is part one of a two-part series. The story also appears in the book, Put the Money in My Purse, A History of Female Bank Robbers, published by McFarland's Exposit Books and available wherever true crime books are sold. The date is August 16, 1897. The place is Pineville, Missouri, and you are about to witness the first recorded bank robbery by a woman. Meet Cora Hubbard. Cora Hubbard's birth date was either never officially recorded or is lost to time. She gave various dates, depending on who was asking. To one journalist, she said she was born on February 17, 1877. But while she was in prison, around 1898, she told people her age was either 20 or 25. She was probably born around 1877. This is typical of the pioneer era for a hardscrabble family of the Plains, because dates were either scribbled in a family Bible, passed down through generations, or just lost in time. We do know Cora was born in Ohio, and we do know she was the sixth of seven children. Her father's name was Samuel, and he was a Union Army veteran and part Cherokee Indian. Her mother's name was Elizabeth Garber. Her family would eventually move to Missouri. Her mother Elizabeth died sometime between 1880 and 1885, and after her death, Cora's family moved to Spring Hill, Kansas. Cora was tiny. She was about five foot two, a little bit over a hundred pounds, but she was typical of pioneer women. They had to be tough in a lot of ways, physically, mentally, hard work, and the toughness was necessary in farm life. Now, Cora married her first husband, James, who is sometimes listed as Joseph Russell, when she was 15 years old, which again is typical of the times. She would tell people that their wedding date was October 17, 1890. Russell was not a good guy, so she left him to travel with her family, and she would divorce him by 1897. But it wasn't too long before she said, I do, to her new husband, Bud Parker. They would eventually settle on a farm which would become Oklahoma, about 10 miles south of Coffeyville, Kansas. And Sheets started living on the farm and doing some work for Cora and Bud Parker. And Cora would later claim that John was her husband and she and John wed on June 6, 1897. So you can see already, Cora is not too familiar with the truth. But Alan William, Cora's brothers, did live nearby. That much we know to be the truth. Albert Whitfield Tennyson, who is known as Whit, comes into Cora and Bud's lives in August, 
And that's when their bank robbery idea starts to hatch. Because Wit's got a big mouth. And he likes to tell how skilled he is at bank robberies and how clever he is and what a career criminal he is. William gets in on the conversation and he says, oh yeah, he's familiar with the McDonald County Bank in Pineville, Missouri. Because he once lived in Pineville and he worked for a farmer who lived near Pineville. So William kind of sketches out a bank map and he sketches out the routes they would take to travel to Pineville and he sketches out the layout of the town. And so now Bud, Cora's husband, he gets in on the planning. Now it's Bud, John, Witt, and now Al gets in on the plans. So they're all going to rob this bank. These big, strong, tough guys, they're going to make these guys. They're going to be famous and they're going to have money. This sounds like a great plan already. All right, one hitch. They're saddling up horses. They're getting their coats, their jackets, provisions. And Bud Parker says, uh, never mind. And Al Hubbard says, I changed my mind too. All of a sudden, being a lawful citizen, even though they don't have any money and they've just got their farms, you know what? This is sounding just right for me. But it made Cora furious. And she says, I will not live with a damn coward. So she clumps into her room. She grabs a pair of scissors and she stops chopping her hair off. She chops it off as short as she can get. She puts on Bud's clothes, she puts on his boots, and she is disguising herself as a boy. She slaps on this black slouch hat. That hat is going to play a role later. Now you got to think, back in the day, women didn't really have a choice in disguise. So here she comes clumping out dressed like a man. Probably took them back for a bit, but as soon as she slung herself on a horse, grabbed the reins and said, let's go. The future bank robbers all head out. Now they had a few stops to make before reaching Pineville. First they go to Coffeeville, Kansas because John Sheets needed to buy a Winchester rifle and ammunition. Very important when robbing a bank. They go for an overnighter at Cora's father's farm in the Osho. Her father Samuel was probably taken back to see his little girl looking like a man. After all, back in the day, that was a very shocking thing to do for a female. She's chopped off all her beautiful, thick black hair that she inherited from her father. She's dressed in a man's clothes, which was a horrific thing to do at the time for a woman. And she's riding a horse like a man. So he was probably so taken back that his little baby girl looked like a boy. They stay the night there, and then on August 16, 1897, they make it into Pineville. And it was just before daylight when they pull up and they decide they're going to set up camp just outside the city because they don't want to arouse suspicion. John Sheets and Whit Tennyson said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Just the two of us are going to go into town, and we're going to kind of scout things over. We're going to check out the McDonald County Bank. Make sure it looks just like it does on the map. Make sure the street and the town and the buildings are like on the map. Make sure our getaway route just like on the map. And then we're going to come back and let you guys know. 
And that's exactly what they did. Right down the street. Now picture this, this wide, dusty street, side by side, along the route. These buckboard buildings and wooden slats up and townspeople walking back and forth. Think about this. Everybody probably knew everybody and probably glanced up at them as they're riding by. The bank is ripe for the picking. So, on August 17th, the Hubbard siblings come riding into Pineville. John Sheets with Tennyson right behind him. William clutching his map in his hand. Here comes Cora. She's got that slouch hat pulled down over her ears on her head. And now she's got on a coat and a vest over her overalls. Pulled up right in front of that bank. John and Wit slowly off their horses. Now, something tells me that they didn't trust William because they handed their reins to Cora. Her job was not to just be a lookout for the bank robbery, but to take care of the horses. Very, very important because this is their only way out of there. Cora's looking over the town. Her dark eyes are scanning the road, scanning everybody else's horses, scanning the people who are walking up and down in the town. It's a pretty day. The sun is shining. The breeze is going. And she notes that the only building close to the bank is a house sitting right next to the bank building. Now, it belongs to a family called Hooper. And John and Witt are starting to walk toward the bank when the landowner's son, Britt, comes out of his family's front door. Now, she doesn't even flinch. Cora just whips out her pistol, cleaning leather, and levels it right at him. Now, Britt, poor guy, he's just stepping out of his family's front door, and there he is looking at the business side of a pistol. Cora says, stand still. He is scared to death. His eyes probably look like a baby owl. And Cora says, it's no use to get excited at a time like this. Now, people would later say that Cora sat in her saddle like she was born there. She's holding the reins to the horses. She's just cool as clabber, as my grandmother used to say. The horses are snorting and stamping, trying to kick off the flies. Their skin is shuddering as the flies are landing on them, nodding their heads, tossing their manes. But meanwhile, John and Wit are slipping around the edge of the bank building. Only soft creaks of gun leather, boards giving them away. Because their prey never saw them coming. Their prey is sitting in the front of the bank, enjoying the morning, breathing in the air breeze, having good conversation. Now that would be Bank President A.V. Manning, Cashier John W. Shields and County Treasurer Marcus N. Lamance. But their enjoyment of the morning ends when suddenly they're looking down pistols and a voice saying, We're here for the money and we want it damn quick. John Sheets forces Bank President Manning and Cashier Shields into the bank. Whit Tennyson's got Lamance outside. Put up your hands and keep them there. 
Inside the bank, Cashier Shields starts to fight, but John Sheets slaps him to the ground with the rifle. That didn't go over well with Shields, and Sheets says, Take this sack, fill it up with cash. Clink, clink, clink. The money is loaded into the bag until it can't hold any more money. $589.23. Now outside, Cora is staring down this old man. This old man's standing there and he's staring at her and she can just hear it in her head. Him asking all those nosy questions that he probably wants to ask. Well, what are you doing sitting out here? Well, whose horse is that? Well, why are you sitting on your horse? Well, what you doing out in the sun? Well, who are you? Where did you come from? Do you live around here? Did you just get into town? Where are you going after this? She can just hear all those nosy questions from this old man. And she's just glaring at him, daring him to say something. And she's ready to clear leather again and just aim her gun's barrel at him and dare him to ask when the bank door swings open. Sheets is herding the men out of the bank and there's Lamance and he's still got his hands up and the robbers put them together and push them off the front porch. They're pushing them into the street and then suddenly they hear a gun go off. Tennyson looks at bank president Manning and he notices Manning is carrying a nice silver watch. Hey, why don't you give me that third watch? What's he going to do? He has no choice. So he hands over his $15 silver watch. Now, John W. Shields isn't really paying attention to anything else except the young man who's sitting up on his horse, holding the other horse's reins and watching everything. This young man is so cool about everything. He's the calmest one of the bunch. So Shields is looking him over. He's got a dark complexion, that thick black hair poking out from under that black slouch hat, that steady gaze. The little robber is wearing a pair of overalls, coat and vest, just so smooth. But now Shields has got to pay attention because John and Witt are waving their guns as they're saddling up and all of a sudden all four of them are spurring their horses and whoops and shots firing toward the sky. They're galloping off and away in Wild West fashion. And off they go northeast and away. Goodbye, Pineville. Goodbye, Pineville, Missouri. Now, just like too many future bank robbers, the gang is convinced that robbery went off without a hitch. And just like too many future bank robbers, one of them made a Stupid, stupid mistake. Just like many future bank robbers, one of them made a small, small mistake. That mistake is going to cost them all. Because in his haste to mount up, to carry that money, to get away quick, William drops his map. John Sheets, William and Cora Hubbard, and Whit Tennyson made it safely away from the McDonald County Bank in Pineville, Missouri. It was August 17, 1897. All they knew was they had just robbed a bank of $589.23. They really had no idea. They had just made history. 
Cora Hubbard was the first female bank robber on record. Nevertheless, it's time to ponder anything else but getting away in one whole piece because there was a posse heading out to the Northeast. But nobody knew except the gang that the gang had changed direction and they were riding hell-bent for leather. Once it was safe and they were out of the area, the robbers are dividing up the cash. Here's for you, here's for you, here's for you. So they're getting ready to jump on their horses and head out of there when all of a sudden one of their horses just gives out. Life was just too complicated for a bank robber's horse. It's too hard, it's too hot, ran too long. Great. Now we got a dead horse. We got four of us and three horses. But look here. The gods of bank robbery must smile down on us because here comes a boy on what looks like a really good horse. Well, the gang initiates some horse trading. Okay, it was at gunpoint, but they initiate some horse trading. And off they go. One fresh horse. One boy with a not-so-fresh horse. Well, information about that bank robbery is just crackling across the air, courtesy the Pineville Telegraph. And another posse is forming, hoping to head them off. The robbers unknowingly rode into an ambush. And now, the first lady of bank robbery is about to be cornered. But will her and her partners in crime be successful? Are they going to get away? Are they going to be rich? Or will the outlaws be caught? Will the posse be the first posse to catch the first lady of bank robbery? What happened to Cora and her band of outlaws? The answers are revealed in Cora's slouch hat and a blabbermouth of a bank robber. And that's in the next episode of Best True Crimes podcast, Cora Hubbard, the first lady of bank robbery. Thank you for joining me on this investigation, exploring true crime, forensics, historic cases, dark history, and criminal theory. This is Best True Crime Podcast. No chatter, no commercials, no off-topic. I do hope you will subscribe. This podcast runs off donations only. You can drop us a donation, $35 or more, and I'll send you a signed book. Just go to www.besttruecrime.com. My name is Judith A. Yates, award-winning true crime author, a criminologist, and a paranormal explorer. Thank you for joining me on Best True Crime Podcast, a division of Best True Crime Books, Games, and Video, LLC. Be safe out there.
This has been part one of a two-part series. This has been part one of a two-part series. This story also appears in the book, Put the Money in My Purse, A History of Female Bank Robbers, published by McFarland's Exposit Books and available wherever true crime books are sold. Thank you for listening and be safe out there.